mercy, look at how the time goes. Welcome everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast. Now today I'm on here by myself. No guest, it's just me. I just want to talk to you guys. And I ask that you listen. I don't think there's enough of that happening right now. Um, Black America is talking. And not enough people and not enough of the right people, that, will, that is to say those who are in power, those who have an opportunity to make some change. They're not listening. Um, it's sad to see there's some key people who are not listening. I have acquaintances who are currently police officers. Some of them are former police officers. And they're not listening. Right now, Black America uh, and the allies of Black America are saying yet again that there is systematic racism in the United States of America. Now, I think it's obvious. It's obvious in what we see with our own two eyes. It's obvious in the facts. It's, it's obvious in the statistics. When it comes to statistics, let me tell you something. Um, numbers don't lie. <clears throat> There's some people who want to throw out uh, the statistic. They want to put that out there that more white people are killed by the police than black people. And that's true. I'm not disputing that statistic. More white people are killed by the police than black people. But let's break that down and let's look at another statistic within that statistic. Now, I read an article. It was dated August 6, 2019. There's other articles that are, uh, that are out there that are even more current. But August 6, 2019, less than a year ago, um, according to a new study con conducted by Frank Edwards, is the guy's name, Frank Edwards of Rutgers University School of Criminal Justice, and also Hedwig Lee of Washington University in St. Louis's Department of Sociology, and by Mac Michael Esposito of the University of Michigan's Institute for Social Research. <clears throat> These people did a study. They used verified data on police killings from 2013 to 2018. Um, in this data, they pulled out from the website. It's a website called Fatal Encounters. You can look this up yourself. Fatal Encounters. Um, and that Fatal Encounters website was created by a Nevada-based journalist by the name of D. Brian Burgart. Now, under those models, they found that roughly one in 1,000 black boys and men will be killed by police in their lifetime. You know what the number for white boys and white men is? That rate is 39 out of 100,000, okay? One in 1,000 black boys and men will be killed by police in their lifetime. 39 out of 100,000 white boys and men will be killed by police. That right there is a number. That is a statistic that is easily verifiable that screams problem. Uh, the, the, the warning lights should be going off in your brain when you hear that. 
something is out of whack there. Something is not balanced. Could it be this thing called systematic racism? Is there an unequal application of the law? I say there is. For me, the evidence is clear. Now, I can hear a lot of people out there right now. I, I see it on social media. <clears throat> as soon as a black man or woman brings up race, there's some white people who will try to shout them down. Why are you bringing that up? Why are you focused on race? Why are you race baiting? Stop thinking about race. Stop bringing up race. Well, you know, I and many other black people would love to stop bringing up race. But it's a problem. We are touched by it every single day. Consistently. If not personally, then, then, then as a demographic. And I think this is obvious. To not see it is to be willfully ignorant. I'm not trying to be mean. I don't want to be offensive to anyone. But to not see the systematic racism going on in our society is to be willfully ignorant. <clears throat> what did you see? What, did, what do you think happened to George Floyd in, in Minneapolis? He died. But is that it? Is that it? You know, Michael Rappaport, <clears throat> I love that guy. He says things in a much more graphic way than, than, than I choose to do. Uh, well, than what I choose to do on my podcast anyway. Uh, but he said, um, uh, but he, I mean, he, he just laid it out there. He's, in his own words, he says, you won't see New York City police grabbing a 40-year-old Jewish man in the middle of Times Square and holding their knee on his neck for about nine minutes until he died. You won't see that. You won't see that in a 40-year-old businessman, he said, or a Jewish man, or in basically anyone who's not black. You're just not going to see that. Why are these things happening I don't want to say exclusively, but in a much higher number. Why are these things happening to black people? Much more often than they're happening to non-black people. Could it be this thing called systematic racism? Now, there's some people that don't even want to hear that argument. <clears throat> there's some people who will deny. It broke my heart today. Uh, somebody that I consider a, a good guy. He's, 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 uh, he's a stand-up guy. Uh, not a stand-up comedian, but he is a stand-up honorable guy. He works in law enforcement, and he and a bunch of his friends online just refuse to acknowledge that there is such a thing of systematic racism. Can you people who deny systematic racism just be quiet for a little bit and listen? If you're listening to me, listen to me. If you, if you know black people, listen to them. We're not saying this shit just for the hell of it. We say what we say because we are affected by it. Okay? <clears throat> so this, 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 uh, this law enforcement person was saying, well, we don't see these kind of things in my district, or in my city, rather. We don't see these kind of things in my city. And he, 
I don't know if he's being willfully obtuse. <laughs> there's a re there's a uh, reference to Shawshank Redemption. Uh, check out that movie when uh, when uh, I can't remember his name Tim Roth when Tim Roth was uh, asking the warden if he was being willfully obtuse. But I don't know if this is willful obtusiveness or if this is willful ignorance or not. But okay, if you are an officer in a police district or in a city where you don't see racial discrimination under the law, you don't see systematic. Uh, or, you know, uneven application of the law, an unfair application of the law, or lack of an application of the law based on racial grounds. If you don't see that, that's beautiful. But what is wrong with you that you can say that just because you don't see it, it doesn't exist? I think there's too much of that happening. There's too many people who think, well, I've never seen that. It must not be true. What are these black people complaining about? You know, there's too many people who think that way. Just be quiet for a minute and listen and study the situation in your society. Take a look around you. And if everything looks fine and dandy, great. But then look a little bit wider. And if it still looks good, then look even wider still. And you will see that there is something in the American society that is not right. You will see that there is yet to be equality in the justice system in the United States. There is yet to be equality in the streets. You cannot, well, you can not see it, but I don't understand how you cannot see that law enforcement is applied in different ways depending on which side of the tracks the people live on. You hear the stories in New York City, the New York City police, and God love them. You know, I... God love them. I'm not trying to say anything bad against the New York City police, but it, it has come forward that there have been um, instances where uh, people see if if uh, if a non-black person is walking down the street without a mask, the police will smile, sometimes joke, offer to give them a mask. But you see black people that don't have a mask and they're getting jacked up, arrested, and thrown around by the police. Now, I don't know how prevalent that is. I'm not there. I don't live in New York City. If you live in New York City and you know more about this, get in touch with me. I'll have you on as a guest. But if that's what's happening, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't. You know, <clears throat> I had somebody who sent me a link. It was an instance of a white man, and I cannot remember, forgive me, but I cannot remember where it was. I, I don't have that link in front of me right now. But it was a, a, a white guy who was arrested by a handful of white officers. Um, from what I understood, the guy resisted um, to some degree, but there was no big physical confrontation. The guy was not uh, thrown around. He wasn't clubbed. Definitely didn't have a knee in his neck. He was just arrested, put into the car, taken to the police station, and later on that white guy died. Now, that's a tragedy that's terrible, and people do die in police custody. That's a totally different situation than what we're seeing with, uh, with George Floyd. There's people saying, well, we still need to see more facts. 
when it comes to, to, to George Floyd. What facts, what more facts do you need to see? There's been enough video that has been released where you see the police pulling him from his car, walking him around the back of the car, putting him up against the building, having him sit down on the, the concrete there, then having him stand up, then walking him over to the police vehicle where he falls, and then you see the camera angle from the other side where you see three cops, two cops uh, kneeling on his legs or holding his legs and lower torso, and this other murderer with his knee, alleged murderer, let me just say alleged because he hasn't been convicted yet. He has been arrested, and that's a good thing. Uh, this other officer with his knee, In George Floyd's neck. On George Floyd's neck. Okay? So we see the entire run of, I don't know, maybe there's a few seconds that are missing in that footage, but we basically see the entire run of that incident. Now here's my question. In that video footage where you see that officer's knee on this black man's neck, is he resisting at that point? No, he's not. There's almost nine minutes of, minutes of footage. Nine minutes of footage. You know, sit, sit and count, you know, one, two, three, up to 60, nine times. That is how long George Floyd laid on the ground without resisting. And that cop still had his knee across George Floyd's neck. Why? There is no police training that has taught any officer to do that. None. That was not a resisting suspect. George Floyd, the suspect, let's call him a suspect. The suspect, George Floyd, was laying on the ground, handcuffed, two officers holding his legs. Why did the other officer need to have his knee across George Floyd's neck? Why? Well, I'll submit an idea to you people. You ready for this? I think, and I've thought this for a long time. And I've talked about this with other people, but I'm talking about it now on my, on my podcast. I have the platform I'm going to talk. I will submit to you that a lot of these incidences, a lot of them are happening. You know, where these, where these cops are killing unarmed black men, it's happening because they are terrified. Let me say it straight up, because they're scared shitless. Scared fearful of the black man. So what happens when they're scared to death like that? Their tra the training goes out the window. When you're that scared, training goes out the window. And you're going to do things that are not by the book. You're going to do things that are outside of the training that you receive. When you get scared like that, um, if you have discipline, if you have good training, and if you have discipline, and if you control your, if you can control your fear, then you will adhere to the training that you have received. But if you lack a little bit of discipline, if the fear is at such a level that you can't control it, 
You're going to fall away from the training that you've had, and you're going to do things that unnecessarily put lives in danger. Let me submit another thing to you. I think that there are officers out there who are in no kind of physical condition to be an effective police officer in an arrest situation, okay? I submit to you that there are police officers out there who are in no physical condition to be an effective police officer in an arrest situation. Okay, let's break that down. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> I, 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 look at, I look at George Floyd, and, you know, I don't know what kind of physical shape he was in. You know, the coroner report, the, the initial coroner, the preliminary coroner report is saying that he had high blood pressure and, and, uh, and uh, arterial, um, some sort of arterial uh, d disease, if you will. <clears throat> okay. But on the outside, looking at him, he looked like a fairly large, fit and lean man. We have seen it time and again. in footage that has been submitted to the news when these kind of things happen, where the one who ends up getting killed is a big, strong black man who is much more fit, much stronger than the officers who killed him. I submit to you that when there is that big of a balance in fitness and strength, the officers will have a tendency to overreact. If they would have had the strength they could have stuck to what they were trained to do and cuffed that man without things getting escalated. But when you're weak, when you're out of shape, when you don't adhere to your training, and, and let me say this about training. Police officers are trained to de-escalate once the situation is, is in control. How many times have you seen a subject, and it doesn't matter, what, it doesn't necessarily have to be that they ended up being killed, but just someone who, 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 um, who, claims, um, who claims excessive force on the police. How many times do you see them? They're down, and they might be getting choked. They might be being beaten. Their arms might be being twisted. I ask you, the listener, the citizen, the, civ the civilian, would you be able to just sit still? Or would you struggle when you're being choked, when your arm is being twisted, when you have somebody, somebody's body weight on you as you're laying down and it's squeezing off your breath? Can you just sit still? I don't think that that's possible. So I'll submit that. I will submit I will submit <clears throat> that the lack of fitness in certain officers leads to unnecessary escalation because they just don't have the strength and skill to safely subdue a suspect. Now, safely subduing doesn't mean that that suspect doesn't get a clunk or two in the head or across the jaw or his arms aren't going to get twisted. That is, believe me, I understand that is very necessary from time to, I was going to say from time to time, but a lot, often, that is necessary to apprehend a suspect and get them cuffed. But can we agree 
I don't know, I'm gonna say it. When I look at pictures of that officer, when I see him with his knee across George Floyd's neck, killing him slowly, when I look at that guy, he looks to be far from the fit and strong officer that is, ne that is needed to safely apprehend a suspect. I don't know. Was, was George Floyd, was, was he, I'm sorry, was the arresting officer afraid and he overreacted? I don't know. But I will submit to you that very often arrest situations are escalated and people get hurt, cops get hurt, and suspects get hurt because a cop is lacking a certain amount of physical fitness and strength. Do you guys see what I'm getting at? Maybe there's a certain amount of professionalism that is lacking in the police force out there. I had an interview um, a few episodes back with a Norwegian police officer who told me that they've taken away, they've taken away a lot of the, 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 the standard requirements for physical fitness and strength in the police force over here. And God forbid that things like this begin to happen in Norway. And if they do, I would hope that the Norwegian police would do something about it. Now it's different over here, totally different level of crime, totally different amount of crime. Uh, the Norwegian police force is a national police force. Whereas in the United States, of course, as we know, it's broken down by, uh, by state, uh, county, city and township. We know that. But you see what I'm getting at. Is there some kind of standard that isn't being met in these police officers that are out on the street doing their job? Now, I'm not anti-cop, so you can just back off with that kind of foolishness. Okay? I'm a former cop myself, and I love my brothers and sisters in blue. Always have, always will, but something is wrong Do you deny the existence of institutional, I'm sorry, um, systematic, well, yeah, institutional racism or systematic racism? Do you deny my submission that there is unequal application of the law? Do you deny that? I challenge you. If you're a white man or woman and you don't have any black friends, find one, talk to them. I don't remember who it was. I saw somebody, somebody on TV said that. If, you, if you're a white person and you don't have a black friend, find one and listen to them. I'm, I'm telling you, we don't say this just for the heck of it. I don't care what you think. We don't say this just to say it. I'm not even there. I'm not even in the States right now. I'm in Norway. So I'm not saying this so that I can try to, I don't know, <laughs> I'm saying this because it's real. We say these things because they are real. And it's, it's, it's sad. It's, it's really, really sad. A lot of people that I thought were respectful, or I'm sorry, respectable people, smart and intelligent people are now going crazy on their social media talking about the riots. Now, I don't support riots, but as Martin Luther King said, riots are the voice of the unheard. 
And that tells me, I mean, that connects up with what I said. The people in power need to just be quiet for a minute and listen to those voices. Let the unheard be heard. So I want to put a challenge out there for the, for the white folks. Because I, I believe, uh, <clears throat> someone said this, I think D.L. Hughley says this, that uh, black people have been telling about their plight for 400 years plus, okay, in America. 400 plus years. And while, the, while we cannot say that there has been no progress, there hasn't been enough progress because it needs to get to the point where no progress is needed because things are equal. That's what we need. And as long as things are not equal, as long as there's statistics that say that um, black men uh, are 2.5 times more likely to be killed by the police than non-blacks, I'm sorry, than, than white men, as long as that as long as facts like that can be put out there, then things aren't equal and we need to keep talking. But we've been talking, we've been asking, we've been talking and we've been asking, we've been begging for how many years and it's still not equal. So you know what it's going to take? Okay, 400 plus years of black people trying to make it known that the situation is unequal and that things need to be done to make it equal. So what needs to be done now is we need more white allies. More white people need to speak up. Speak up and be a voice for the voiceless. It breaks my heart <clears throat> to be over here and see what is happening to my country. It, 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 it breaks my heart. It's just, things, things are just turned upside down, and it doesn't need to be that way. If there was more listening and less finger pointing, more listening and less finger pointing, Stop trying to shout people down. Yeah, the riots are wrong. Yes, the riots are wrong. I wish that wasn't happening. But when they are happening, why does no one get to the bottom of why that is happening? I believe there's a, uh, there's a sociological, sociological thing that can explain that a psychological thing that can explain that. I think it's called PTSD. You guys have heard of that, right? Well, let's apply that concept to some of these cities where for generations, these people haven't been heard. Oh, well, why don't you just get a job and get out of that? Well, see, I'm lucky. I'm extremely fortunate. Let me tell you a little bit about my story. Now, I was born in Akron, Ohio. And when I was seven years old, seven, we moved out of there and out into the countryside, so to speak. Out of the city and out to the country. And because of that one thing, I had a drastically different upbringing. 
drastically. <laughs> no offense to any uh, old friends and family who still live in that old neighborhood in Akron, but good Lord, has it changed? I really wonder what kind of life I would have lived if we had continued to stay there. So thank the good Lord that my parents, I don't know. I don't know. I've never asked my mother why we move like that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to ask her what made them want to move. <clears throat> but I think, I think the good Lord that they had the means to do that. My father was a police officer at the time. My mother worked uh, in the uh, federal court system. Court clerk, I believe is what it was called. Worked for a federal judge. So we were solid middle class, if not slightly upper middle class. And we were able to, to move out of there. And, and, uh, and, and that move gave me the, the, the suburban slash rural uh, upbringing that I had. And while that was no better roses either, it was definitely not filled with some of the challenges that a black kid would face in the, in the, in the, in the city. So my point is, is that we had the means to change our situation. If you live in the inner city, some of these places, some of these neighborhoods, if you live in Cabrini Green in Chicago and you've always lived there and your mother and father have always lived there, if you even know your father, your grandparents have always lived there and their parents have always lived in Cabrini Green and Cabrini Green being what it is with zero opportunity, with rampant crime, isolated, deprived of many of the common things that, 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 that other cities and neighborhoods take for granted. If that's all you've ever known and you have no role model around you to show you anything different, how can an outsider standing in a comfortably middle-class life, how can an outsider talk down on you for not being able to get out of that? Oh, just find a job and get out of there. Oh, just get an education and, and better yourself. Well, do you people know what the schooling situation is in some of these neighborhoods? Okay, can we come back to that phrase, systematic racism, systematic inequality? Those black and Latino kids in those neighborhoods are not getting the same education that some of these suburban and rural kids are getting. It's about tax dollars. It's about focus on, uh, well, it's about taking care of some people and letting others fall by the wayside. That's, that's the reality of that situation. So it can't, it's not this thing where pull, your, by, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know, or focus or, or have some ambition and change your situation. You know, that works. Sometimes we have people who come out of that and they go on to do great things. But a majority of those kids in those neighborhoods are not making it out and you can't blame them. You are willfully ignorant you are willfully ignorant if you can't see that. That's facts, people. Now, I may sound emotional, but this is not based on emotion. This is based on the facts of the situation. How long do these... Back to the rioting. Okay, I, I, I wish they weren't doing that. I get it. It kind of colors this colors. Haha. It colors the situation a little bit to where people who are on the outside looking in are going to lose focus on what we want people to focus on. 
okay, which is <clears throat> which is the death, the many deaths. You know, I, I can also talk about Ahmad uh, uh, Arbery. I'll, I'll get to that. But in in Minneapolis, we, we want the focus to be on the death of George Floyd and the circumstances of that death and the unnecessary. It was on how unnecessary it was. We want the focus to be on police procedures, application of the law, policing style based upon neighborhood and, and racial demographic. We want the focus to be on that. But these riots have taken the focus off of that. So I just want to steer your focus back to where it needs to be. And I want to ask a question. Do you, as, as upset as you get about the, 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 um, the riots, do you ever stop to think about why they are rioting? How long do you expect those people to wait for justice? How long do you expect them to wait for equality? How many times do these people have to sit back and watch their sons, their daughters, their fathers, uncles, their family, their fellow citizens being killed in ways like this, unarmed and black? unarmed and black it's, it's too much it's, ha it's, it's happened too often so how long do you expect people to put up with that how long do you expect people you know and then you say protest peacefully i've seen it on social media why don't those people just learn how to protest peacefully you know what we learned how to protest peacefully colin kaepernick protested peacefully but a huge part of the United States lost their freaking mind when he protested pre peacefully. There's an instance of taking a focus off, off of what the, uh, the actual subject is. All of a sudden it turns to this patriotic flag thing. Colin Kaepernick was protesting unnecessary police violence and brutality against black people. That's what he was protesting. Did you know that? I'll submit this. <laughs> I'm becoming a submission expert here today. I'll submit this. I think y'all know exactly why Colin Kaepernick was protesting. The President of the United States knows exactly why Colin Kaepernick was protesting. But it doesn't suit the narrative that some people want to push to acknowledge that. So they twisted it and they made it about the flag and they made it about patriotism. Patriotism. Let's, let's keep focused. Or if you've never been focused on that, on, the, on these issues, become focused. What have you got to lose? You might learn something. I think you will. I think most of you out there are quite intelligent. I think most of you out there are good at heart. I think most of you out there are very caring. But for some reason, there's not enough people focused on this issue. There's not enough people. And you know what? To admit that there exists such a thing as systematic racism and unequal application of the law, to admit that things like that happen, that doesn't make you a bad person. To admit that there's such a thing as white privilege or white male privilege, that doesn't make you a bad person. But it will make you more 
aware. It will make you more compassionate. It will make you smarter. Think about these things. Think about what they really are, not what Fox News or even CNN wants to tell you it is. Think about what these things really are and what they really mean and how they really affect our nation. And how do you do that? Well, as I said, if you're a white person and you want to be an ally, find a black friend and talk to them and listen now, I'm not saying all black people got it going on. All black people have the answer. There's some nut jobs out there as well. But that is a fraction of a percentage of, of, of who black people are. Find a black person and get to know them and listen to their story. Do that. See what it does for you. See what it does for that black person and their family. See what it does for society. See what that will do for this atmosphere that's going around <clears throat> in the United States right now. Smoke-filled atmosphere. Things are burning, people. Things are burning. Whew. I'm tired. I'm tired. This, is, this stuff is so tiring. I don't want, and I don't want this to be the tone of my of my podcast, but it's definitely the tone of this episode, because this is a part of me as well. You know, that's my America as much as it is anybody else's, and at the same time, as I'll sit and I'll listen to you talk about why you don't believe these things, why you don't believe that racism has anything to do with any kind of police work. I'll listen to that, but will you listen to me in return? Can this be a dialogue? Because it's that dialogue that is going to lead to change. And if it doesn't lead to change, at least it will lead to understanding. Because anybody, any man or woman who is willing to go into a dialogue with someone, that's a thinking human being. And that thinking will lead to compassion, which I believe is in the hearts of everybody. Everybody has room for compassion. But to get to that compassion, you got to open the door, and that door gets opened through dialogue. Talk to somebody. Stop running your doggone mouth on social media about what you think is right. Be quiet for a second. Just be quiet. Listen to somebody. And stop trying to shout down. You know, just because I bring up these things doesn't make me some kind of radical. You got to shout down the black guy. Oh my gosh, he's bringing up race. Why are you talking about race? Yeah, why don't you stop and think about that? What, was it, what, what does it serve me to bring up race, to talk about this racial situation in the United States? What do I gain from that? I'll tell you what I gain. If you're willing to go into dialogue with me, I gain a potential ally. It's a step towards making our country better. <laughs> my wife brought up my wife brought up something very interesting. She said, you know, this whole thing um, going on in, in the States and that, uh, that some officers seem to be, she agrees with me. Some of these officers look like they're just scared. 
maybe not necessarily racist, but they have some sort of preconceived notion about what black men will do to them. And that causes them to be afraid. And she says, you know, what if, because we were supposed to go home on vacation here in a, in a few weeks. That's been canceled now because of the, the COVID-19 situation. We're not going home to the States this summer. But she said, what if we were there, you know, uh, you know, we, we uh, let, let's say, for example, we fly into Washington, D.C., and then we rent a car and we drive up. We drive up to Iowa. We've done that before, into Washington, D.C., and then we kind of swing off and go through the Smokies and the Blue Ridge Parkway and whatnot. And she says, you know, what if we get stopped? What if uh, you've got a taillight out in your car and an officer comes up and he has whatever kind of preconceived notion, not necessarily a racist, but just a preconceived notion about what a black man can do to him. And he comes to the car with his gun drawn and he yells at you to get out of the car. I told her, I said, well, I would, I would get out of the car if, that, if that's what happened. Especially if I was with her and the kids. I, I'm going to get out of the car. And she says, and then he tells you to raise your arms. I said, well, then I would, and then I had to stop. I can't raise my left arm. I've mentioned it before in previous podcasts. I've had a series of, uh, of shoulder operations in the last shoulder operation, which was a, a year ago yesterday, or a year ago on the 28th of May. Uh, the last operation was a very serious shoulder operation. They put an Achilles tendon uh, in my shoulder to replace some of these tendons that are gone. I can't raise my arm up over my head. So she says, she asked, she said, would that officer understand that or would he just think you were being belligerent? Would he look at you as the big black boogeyman? And I got to say, I'm a big guy, very muscular. I'm a power lifter, people. So what do you think my size, my physical size will do to a police officer who is maybe fat and out of shape himself or skinny? <laughs> you know, look at, look at the arms of that officer who, who um, allegedly, allegedly murdered George Floyd. That guy looked skinny and probably very weak. So what if I got an officer like that who knowing, full, fully knowing that they don't have the physical capabilities to do their job properly, maybe because I didn't raise my arm, maybe he decides to shoot me. Another statistic. See, I never looked at it that way, but my wife put that, uh, put that story to me today at the breakfast table. So I feel this, you know, going back some years, uh, a friend of mine, uh, and they didn't even say this to my face. They said it behind my back to somebody else. Uh, oh, I don't know why John even cares about uh, those, as they put it, racial things. I don't know why John cares about those racial things. Uh, he's more white than you are. This other guy was a white guy. What the heck does that mean? What the heck does that mean? I'm, you know what? I may have grown up where I grew up, out in, the, in, the, in the, this rural uh, Ohio area, you know? I may, uh, I may like Van Halen as much as I like Stevie Wonder, but I'm black. And when it boils down to it, if I'm faced with someone who's ignorant, who's bigoted, who is prejudiced in any way, who's racist, I'm going to get treated as a black man. So these things concern me and I refuse, you know, you can think what you want. You can think that it's a fault or there's something wrong or something uh, problematic with me or any black person bringing up these issues. If you think that, then you just go ahead and think that. 
Now, God bless you. I hope you can be turned to an ally in this situation. But if you can't, you can't. So just move out of the way and let me talk. And those of you who are willing to listen, I ask you to please listen. We need more people listening. Be an ally. Engage in that dialogue. If you have a platform, (laughs) I have a podcast here. I don't know. What do I have? Two listeners? Who knows? I don't know how many listeners I have. If you have a podcast, for example, with several thousand, maybe tens of thousands of listeners, say something about this. Let people hear you. Do you have a huge social media following? Say something about this. Let people hear you. Engage in the dialogue and listen. Riots are the voice of the unheard. I hate those riots as much as you do. So let's change let's change the situation for those people who are unheard. Let's hear them. Let's be voices for them and let's try and engage more people in dialogue. I don't know what else to say people, and I'm not going to make this I'm not going to I'm not going to talk I'm not going to overtalk it. Because I don't think there's too much to be said. Either you understand it or you don't. Either you want to 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 contribute to fixing this or you don't. Either you think it's a problem or you don't. So I don't want to overtalk it, but it needs to be said. It needed to be said. <laughs> Snoopy has been pushing me for the last couple of days to get on here and do this episode, and I just, <laughs> I was halfway joking with her this morning. I said, she, she says, why haven't you done an episode where you talk about these things? I said, I'm not mad enough yet. But I am mad enough. I've been mad enough for a long time. I feel pretty lonely now. I'm sitting here saying these things and I'm wondering, what's the reaction going to be? Will there be no reaction? Is it going to be hatred? Am I going to get called out? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm just asking for a dialogue. I'm asking for more ears to hear what's going on. Riots are the voice of the unheard. I, I wish it didn't have to be that way. I wish, there, I wish they could have just assembled peacefully. Although I got to tell you, there, there's, I think there's some outside agitation. I got to tell you that. There's a guy that was caught on camera, some white guy, all covered up and actually carrying an umbrella. I guarantee you that umbrella was for... Um, you know, to block him for any kind of aerial filming, any kind of aerial surveillance. Th- that guy that was filmed walking around this building, just just walking casually and smashing out the windows. And the local people standing around were like, what? What are you doing? What's going And the guy got mad, threatened to fight these people because they were challenging him. So I think there was some outside agitation there. But anyway, what I'm saying is I wish that it didn't happen like that. I wish it would have been a peaceful uh, gathering, peaceful protest. But would that have made any difference? Would it have gotten the media coverage? Would it have fired up people? to? Would it have fired me up to make me sit here and talk about 
what I'm talking about today? I'm not saying I'm not saying Minneapolis had to burn, but it is burning. So what are we going to do? I challenge some of you people to think beyond the riot and ask yourself, why are they rioting? Do some research. Find somebody who knows and listen to them. Educate yourself on that situation. Yeah, okay. I'm repeating myself. You're probably sick of me. I'm sick of the situation. And all in all, I, I, I'm, I'm glad I did this. If one person hears this and it leads them to, to, to try and engage someone in dialogue, if it leads them to try and do something to actively uh, try to change the situation, this inequality, if somebody hears this and, and they do something to right the wrong, then, then yeah, mission accomplished for me. Okay? God bless everybody and uh, <laughs> throw some blessings back on me. I need it. This has been the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Bye, everybody. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm coming home. I'm coming home.